0: CCP updates, EVE Online, October, November. We'll check out all the stuff uh, today on Talking In Stations. Uh, and helping us with that, we have Arsia Elkin from Electus Matari. How are you? Could you hear me?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah.
0: Good. And we also we also have today, um, well, we have McLeod, our engineer from Initiative. How's it going?
2: Hey, hey, guys.
0: And as our guest today, we're very happy to have with us uh, Naros from Fraternity. Hey, friends. And Suetonia. How are you doing, Sutonia? Doing pretty well. Great. Uh, I hope you guys can help us break down some of the exciting stuff that CCP's put together. And then we'll talk about the war. And then Arcee will tell us about another war you may not have heard of later in the program. OK, let's get started. First thing we want to cover is the dynamic bounty system which is not yet in the game, but that's going to have some interesting consequences for, well, actually some major consequences. Uh, let's break that down. Suetonia, is this something that you know about? What are the takeaways?
2: Uh, yeah, so the basic uh, sort of rundown of this is that systems will have their bounty pel either increased or decreased based on the number of activity in that system compared to the rest of the Eve universe. So if you're ratting very hard in a system and it's higher than the average in the universe and the bounties will, payouts will go down. It will range from 100% up to 120% as the maximum payout and it can go down to as low as 50%. So you'll only get half as much bounties if that system has uh, excessive ratting in it.
0: So it's basically a diminishing returns on ratting.
2: Yeah. And uh, another thing as well is the bounty, the uh the number of kill player kills in the system. I'm not sure how CCP is going to uh, do that, whether it's going to be based on value or based on ship kills. I think it'll probably be based on values because I know uh, Brisk talked right. to me on Reddit and said that CCP has like taken into account of you know people farming their own alts or something to try and boost it. But uh, basically, if there are player kills happening frequently in a system, then the bounties will also go up. So you get more for for uh, ratting in, uh, hostile systems or, you know, potentially hostile systems.
0: Because if there's more PVP, the ratting money that you get paid goes up,
2: right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're doing PVE in you know, like a, an area that's, uh, dangerous, like Providence, you know, these areas that are close to empire space, or if you're, you know, trying to raise the ADMs in Koreas right now in the big war, right? Obviously you're at a lot more risk than someone who's maybe, you know, ratting in the dead end of, uh, Tenerithis or something.
1: Do you think it's going to work to try to spread out where people are in NullSec? Because right now, if you roam Null, you have a lot of empty jumps followed by like 102 people in like a system. So do you think that's really aimed towards spreading people out?
2: Uh, I'm not sure how effective it will be. I think uh, generally, I think players tend to uh, be very risk adverse. And so I think they might just accept lower ISK rather than, you know, risking more. But, it, but I think it's a, a cool system and, and hopefully maybe it encourages people to rat outside of uh, super umbrellas. And uh, and the good thing too, right, is that CCP's actually put some carrot in this one instead of just stick, which is, I think a lot of the problems with some other uh, uh, e- economy updates that they've done is that you can actually get more bounties, right? Like if it goes up to 120%, then maybe uh, it encourages someone to maybe risk their carrier or something.
0: So you actually see carrots in this one. Uh, and that's a good point. That they, Right now, CCP is in the process of uh, changing gameplay in significant uh, ways, affecting the underpinnings of a lot of gameplay that people do, for instance, ratting and in bigger ships and that sort of thing. And when you do that, it is considered a nerf because your gameplay has been nerfed, your income has been nerfed. And so people feel that's just a stick coming from CCP nerfing what they considered legitimate just a few months ago. So you're saying that this has some incentives to make it a little sweeter. So you're going to exchange some gameplay for other gameplay, and hopefully that'll be uh, digested, to go with the metaphor, a bit better by players.
2: Yeah, it might also uh, help smaller groups out a little more, too, because, you know, obviously right now, most people who want to rat safely, they just join join a big group like Pandemic Code or WinterCo or Test Alliance and... You know, those groups, they will have safer space and they'll have, you know, big super umbrellas, but they, they'll probably have a lower a dynamic bounty systems. So if you join like a smaller alliance that isn't as safe, but it doesn't have as many people, you'll probably be making more risk to go along with the more risk that you have.
0: Noros, so you're somebody that has a super mm-hmm. umbrella.
3: I, I think this changes long due change, and I totally welcome that. It um, will hurt our MER a little bit for, the, for our home region in OASA. But we don't get our stats by you know, just hiding in a dead end. OASA is, as far as I can check, it's top nine region today. For the last 24 hours, it's the most violent regions. one of the. So, yeah, I don't think it will affect us too much. Also, we have other regions we can expand to Well, of silence. I can confirm we have the plan for that region too. Um, silent? Yeah. Well, there won't be another super camp Brambola, but um, yeah, we plan to move some people over there. Right. You put a Keepstar
0: down there, didn't you, in Vail? Uh, yes, in HTEC 5 GUI. Looks like it went down successfully. Is that to provide a home base or security for fraternity while
3: they operate in Vail? Yeah, it's a, it's a great content system. NCDOT used to Try to online one, but failed. Um, It's in direct range of Jita. Literally, you can jump further out of Jita to H five. So it's great for the market too. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, next to MPC Geminate. It's another great content source.
0: So when you say content, what do you specifically mean, or is it a variety of things?
3: Oh yeah, they are PUP contents, of course. So we have like we house different kind players. If those are hardcore crappers, you can just crowd and stay behind. it Noasa, be no answer, we will find you. But if you want some PvP content too, I think most of our players are at this stage. They get, they tend to get tired of writing. So it's time for them to move out a little bit. And we have Dark side, we have Tissue, Ingevinate. Attacking. Uh, yeah. Well, not actively attacking us, but okay. um, yeah, we kind of on a friendly no, never. It's uh, just like a content <laughs> phone room, no. There's no deal at all.
0: No deals in place, but uh, there's uh, some good relationships, the good diplomatics, I guess. I hope so. Well, that's interesting to me. So uh, it, it seems to me, this is just an observation from the outside, that, that you guys are set up pretty well because you have multiple systems to expand from. And I think this works on a system level, right? What do you mean by a system level? You mean an organization? Like, yeah. Each individual system is, I guess, the amount of money you get from ratting, Suetonium, you would know better than I. Is it, does it work on a system or constellation level, or even region level? This is a system level, right?
3: That is system
0: I guess. Yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah, I uh, think it's system level.
0: And you have how many systems under your Awasa umbrella? Uh, One hundred and forty-five, I think. But we don't use all of them. Right. So you have room to spread out, is what I mean, and still be protected if that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, totally.
3: But one thing, one thing about this change, people always say, uh, well, like, he will encourage small entities. I don't quite think so. I think the, black, like the big players just will probably bully them out, like I did in Valve Silence. Mm. Probably not the best news for them.
0: Yeah, so you—they're <laughs> just hearing it now for the first
3: time. Yeah, I'm being honest here. Like, John Region doesn't have this issue. It covers so many systems mm-hmm. in one single cap umbrella, right? But mm-hmm. for other regions, it might not be the case.
0: Yeah, so watch out, Vale. If you're living there and having a good time, there's a shadow being cast over you. Uh, that shadow is coming from Fraternity's Keepstar.
3: Uh, I mean, it's already completed, so I, I don't look in like probably somewhere in sec. But yeah, okay. A total paper, you're fine. Uh, don't worry about it.
0: Okay. All right. What, what's interesting is that, uh, so how do you see this? Is it going to affect you in a good way or a bad way? And you think it's long overdue, this kind of a mechanic change, and yeah. uh,
3: you're fine but with it. Imagine you can crawl into the deepest, like, farthest end in the universe, and nobody can touch you. It's quite annoying, right? It will hurt anyone, but I'm confident we can adapt better um, against our opponents, competitors. So I, of course I welcome this change. Yeah. It's great.
0: Right. Uh, okay. So that's the, uh, dynamic range. How do you guys, Suetonia and Naros, uh, how do you guys think this is going to work with ADMs? Because it seems like a contradiction, doesn't it?
2: I don't know about that. I think in areas where you want to have the ADMs, you don't really care about the, like the ISK ticks all that much.
3: Yeah, I don't I mean, know. if you're really doing ADM fleet, yeah, you generally don't care about the s ratio per tick. And you generally won't use the most efficient routing chip to do that.
0: Right. I see. So when you're working on ADMs, it's it doesn't look the same as just routing in an area.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense.
2: Yeah, and you can also have like some core programs too, right? Like you give someone like a percentage of their taxes back if they do it in a system where you want ADMs, you know, those kind of programs as well. I
0: see. So, okay. So the ADMs are, uh, probably don't, again, so that you guys understand the dynamic ratting wants to push people out to spread out, right? Because if you're all in the same place, your profits are going to go down. So that's a push mechanism. Uh, CCP also has pull mechanisms, which is, uh, to pull people together. And ADMs are kind of like a pool in that uh, you want to rat in a certain area system in order to improve the defensive modifier, which is what the ADM is. And so if you're being pushed out to go make a profit, but you need a concentration of people ratting in a certain system, isn't that a contradiction? Um, I I
1: look at it as like an ADM will be like an alliance op and not so much the same as like ratting when you're out ratting by yourself. Right like an alliance goal versus an individual goal. Sometimes you have to go to work. Sometimes you have to make money on the side. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes
3: you get to play
0: baseball. Right, yeah. Okay.
1: Sometimes you have to work for yourself and sometimes you have to work for money.
0: All right. Like interesting. Okay.
1: It's like improving your house versus going to work.
0: Yeah. You guys have other thoughts on this? Uh, I think, I think players are very interested in this and how it's going to work out. Um, and what do you guys, what's your takeaways from it? Do you guys like this or don't like it or you have reasons?
2: I think it's a, a great change. And as Noah said, the thing is longer overdue. Right. Yeah, I totally love it.
0: Bail?
1: Uh, I think it's a good change. I think it's good to encourage choices when both choices have uh, benefits and, and cons.
0: All right. Um, and how does this tie into something that hasn't been announced yet? It's only been alluded to by CCP. It's coming next week. We will see changes to ESS.
2: Yeah, the uh, counter surveillance system. There's uh, It's on Singularity. We're not sure like, how much of that is going to be you know, carried over, but it is getting released in a week. So it's likely it's going to be uh, in the same state. And I believe there's a dev blog coming sometime next week about it. And this is also coming in the same patches that a dynamic bounty system. So I believe we you did a show in May with some devs that had that where it was talked about in depth, kind of. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't think it's really changed from what the ESS or from the discussion the devs had then. But the takeaway from it is basically the ESS is going to become a mandatory beacon in the system that is in every single upgraded null system. So you, you don't choose to put it down anymore. It's just always in your system. And it's going to take half of all of the bounties. So if you if you rat 100 wow. million, then there's going to be 50 million put inside the ESS. And then inside the ESS itself, there's actually two banks. Um, there's a main bank that anyone can take from. And then there's a... a uh, I think it's like a backup bank. I, let me see if I can find the wording. I think reserve bank, that's it. Where reserve. you need to actually use a, a a specific key to unlock it.
1: So there's a main bank that anybody can take from. So like if I'm in a small gang, I can like gank an Ishtar and then steal the, half the money they've been making or something. Uh,
2: yeah, so uh, there, are, there are some restrictions on what can get inside the ESS though. So you have to be flying a cruiser or bigger to get inside it which is interesting. It also disables uh, MJDs and MWDs, and there's a bubble that surrounds it of 75 kilometers, so it's so very it's like hard a to get out. it's a
1: scram bubble.
2: Yeah, it's a scram yeah. bubble, and it's very hard to get out once you go in there, so even if you bring like a fast afterburner ship in there, like a safety issue or something, you're still going to be stuck on the grid for about a minute or so.
0: Yeah. Let's stop right there and emphasize that point. You can't just jump in, grab something and run out. You need a slower, it's a slower process than that. And that's why they've eliminated tiny ships that can move really fast. And they've slowed you down when you go in there and you can't use uh, propulsion uh, modules to help you get in and out faster.
1: Only afterburners. It's a scramble, right? But wouldn't that make like the phantasm really good at, at grabbing? Yeah, yeah. The
2: Phantasm's going to be very powerful in ESS gangs. I think some people will probably, like some wormhole groups, will probably make like uh, ESS fleets to go in and steal it. Wait, wait why that ship? Why the. Because
1: uh... it has the bonus to the afterburner speeds, so the afterburner is like, as fast as an MWD. You can't scram it.
2: Yeah, it it's quite as It ignores the bubble, uh, the penalty from the ESS. Uh, Does it have an a
3: acceleration gate? I'm sorry. Like a, yeah, it has is an that acceleration
2: like a gate.
1: That's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to be be interested in how that goes, but only cruisers and not Like you can't bring like a, a interdictor, or, like a frigate, in. All right?
2: No, uh, that, that it's also interesting as well if you're if you're in a, like a small battle cruiser, a battleship gang, and you want to get a rule because if you go inside the flex, you don't have to worry about. People bringing like assault frigates that are gonna, or interceptors that are gonna hold you down, or you don't have to worry about like E-war frigates and or you know interdictors, those kind of things.
1: I'm so, suddenly very excited for this.
2: Yeah, okay. so if you it's brought like a, a harbinger, it's like action warfare
1: in, flex, but it scrams you when you jump in.
2: Sorry, yeah, so it, I'm cutting Yeah, you off. I was gonna say like if you brought a harbinger inside it, you wouldn't have to worry about like something like a jaguar uh, holding you down that you can't track with the guns or something like that.
3: This but, is yeah, the
2: there's also an interest like the reserve key thing is also kind of interesting i don't know where the keys are going to be coming from but it but basically like from half the ess takes half of the bounties and it's split in into two half of it goes into the main bank that anyone can take from the other half is the reserve bank and the reserve bank is unlocked with a key presumably that's going to be sold by npcs I, I don't know how you get those so there there, there, will be, there will be a cost to unlocking it so if you just if you're planning on running away, you use the key and then someone pushes you off, then you're going to lose more money than you than you probably got from it. Right. And also it pays out. I think it pays out to everyone in your fleet in an AOE. So like one ship taking from it is very inefficient with the key. So to get, get, get a lot of isk out of the ESS fast, you need to have a gang in there. And that also stops people from, you know, like putting like, let's say a solo caracal into the ESS while their nano gang rates on the outside. If you want to get a lot of the ISC out fast, you're going to have to put a, a gang inside the ESS. And I guess it also helps uh, stop people from just uh, taking from the ESS as soon as uh, like a gang is reported, maybe five jumps out. So with the current ESS, as soon as you have a gang in Intel, people just scoop it up or share from it. And you know you can't get to them in time before they've already taken it. But with this, you'll have to use a key and sit in there. So if you just have like one ult in a caracal that's just trying to take the ESS before the gang gets to you, you're going to probably waste more ISK on the key than you're going to get out from the ESS. So it also uh, encourages you know, the people who own the or the people with the ESS to fight instead of uh, just trying to take it with an all or something.
0: So question from Aria in the audience here. So if you don't have keys, that reserve bank cannot be accessed. And that's why that's lost isk by the ratters.
2: uh yeah you'll need a key to uh to get disk out so that the isk from the radders will be locked up there i'm not sure where the keys are going to come from but presumably sold by npcs of some so, kind
0: so essentially if you're like let's say you're robbing a bank you know you take the money from the teller that's easy you just say give me the money put it in this bag but if you want to get into the safe you need to have these keys or explosives that you bought beforehand that's my uh Analogy, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> right I mean, away. it works.
1: I think it works. <laughs> so
0: but th-
1: I am, like, actually really excited about this change. As somebody who roams around in a small gang and all, sometimes, I want to I wanna steal money from the crabs.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the good thing, too, is it gives players, I think, a lot more uh, agency to be able to deal with botters as well. The so Because the botters are never going to fight you, obviously. And uh, if you go to, like, a region where you think there are a lot of botters, you can just take half of their risk from the ESS. Yeah.
0: Well, this is interesting, uh, and I'll switch gears here, because this is pretty clearly an attempt to make the ISK generation and nullsec more at-the-keys gameplay, so that you're not... Uh, the big thing is botting that people talk about. This seems to be like... Both these mechanics seem to be taking away from the power of having your computer do the work while you go somewhere else. What do you guys think of that? Is that true, or...?
2: Because, yeah, you know, again, that's also tied into the, uh, the dynamic bounty system, right? The systems that have uh, ship kills in them, they have higher bounties. So in areas like uh, OASA, where Neurus is from, where they have uh, really active PvP fleets and they always chase you down and kill you, they're going to have better bounties than, you know, another area where it's just people who instantly right knock it. up as soon as someone comes in. What
0: a great point. I didn't think of that. So, active defense fleets will actually enhance or at least balance out the, uh, no, maybe enhance if you're spread out well enough. That's interesting.
3: We will still have problems to deal with, like, uh, in alliance off time zone. I remember someone mentioned that uh, probably the relationship was drastically distinct two time zones. But now, um, after the patch, uh, the weaker time zone people would not have any chance to do PVE or I'll be very trouble doing so.
0: Well, that's a good point. When everything's slow because of time zone issues, what happens then? Cause that's usually when you do a lot of grazing, not PvP. Um, but do we know the time limit, like how those modifiers work on what time scale, like in the last hour, if there's been activity goes up or is it a daily thing?
2: Uh, I don't, I don't think we know.
0: Yeah. Like when it takes measure of the system and do the modifiers go up or down? We don't know what those intervals
2: are. I I assume it will update every hour or something. Yeah. Some ways you could just, you know, like blitz the system every day and just rotate systems. Yeah.
0: Just hollow it out, wait till tomorrow uh, instead of it changing constantly, like every few minutes or every hour.
2: And in order for
0: this to work, it seems like it would have to be a very quick interval, at least an hour or less. Okay. Very interesting.
1: But These, I, I would hope the interval would be less because uh, like Eve is really relying on time zones, right? And you don't want like the later time zones to get, get screwed a bit.
0: Uh, that's a key piece of information that we don't have. It's how fast the uh, dynamic ratting will adjust. Uh, and I think that'll make a difference in strategy on how you attack this thing. But it, it seems to me like you guys are for it. Uh, and you like this change and along with the ESS changes, it'll make for opportunities to square off against, uh, thieves or, or Robin hood type characters like Arcia. I won't call you a thief, <laughs> um, it's fine. and, uh, and yeah, so it sounds like you guys are okay with the ESS changes and this dynamic ratting.
2: Yeah. I think they're all uh, great changes that hopefully make NoSec a lot more fun.
0: Now you, you, yeah. Good. You guys. Talked about this a little bit, but do you already, um, you know, with the phantasm that you talked about, uh, Sancha nation, right? Is that who? The-
1: yeah. All the Sancha ships have an afterburner bonus. So the afterburners are basically micro warp grid, um, and speed wise.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you, any of you see other, do you, you have other tips for people to look at, uh, strategies that you're already thinking about?
1: I mean, it's also going to help brawlers because a lot of null, PvP is focused on fighting and range and if you have this acceleration gate leading into a scram bubble, it's gonna be a brawl. Like you can brawl if you if you get in there first, right? And you just set up, it's like everybody's scrammed when they come in. It's not like they can burn out. Unless they're a phantasm, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think most NullSec groups will probably have like some kind of doctrine that they use for ESS and most people who are doing like small gangs will probably decide to go with a doctrine if they wanna steal steal it before they uh, like filament out or go out the wormhole or something.
1: But I do think that's also uh, an overlooked part of the change that's really positive in that there's a lot less reason to brawl in null compared to like faction warfare at low sec, where you have the complexes. With the acceleration gates and can force the fight at zero. Um, so I'm, I for one, somebody who enjoys brawling, uh, also like that aspect of the change. All
0: right, cool. Little brawling magnet then. Uh, okay, so this kind of falls into uh, as we talked about with uh, ratting and super umbrellas and stuff like that. The monthly economic report came out earlier this week for September. It's always a month behind, and we looked at the measurements. And from the looks of it, his area and Owasso is doing fantastic. Do you want to
3: That's comment? Cool. Uh, let, let's see. I'm not so confident in the next month. Like, I think the change will hurt us a lot. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's a welcoming change. We have to deal with that.
0: Yeah. Why are you not confident about the next MER?
3: Uh, I mean, October we should be fine, but I'm really not sure about yeah. November. After they implement the change, I see. So these
0: changes you think will affect your, your monthly yeah. economic ratting numbers. It won't
1: affect A lot, yeah. uh, Not affect everybody, though? How do true. they affect you in proportion to the other
3: groups? No, I don't think so. I don't believe so. Well, well one
0: thing you mentioned uh, earlier when I said, wow, you guys in OWASA are doing great. You're way above Delve, because Delve is kind of shut down at the moment. I don't know if that's the right characterization, but you're way above everybody else. And you said something that was very interesting. You said, it's not that we're way above, it's that everybody's fallen.
3: Yeah, of course. They moved their supercarrier umbrella way to Delve, but we didn't. We only moved our Titans and effects. So our supercarriers are still in don region, right? That's, I think, the, probably the most, reason. most obvious reason. Yeah.
0: Right, and then we checked the numbers to see if that was true, and it kind of, it, it was true. Like, uh, in fact, Delve actually had higher numbers than you have um
3: yeah when it was at yeah. peak time yeah. When, yeah when goons was a peak time they you have i believe 12 trillion a month on a specific month i think
0: yeah we looked at eight but we were picking months at random but eight to twelve trillion per month unbelievable amount of money uh and you guys are doing eight right six six trillion, six yeah 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 and uh Again, I'll let you address this because this is something that comes up all the, you know, we always have, uh, people who want to, uh, antagonize you and they're saying botting and you've made an answer to this already, which we've carried, but you, you want to address that people saying that you guys are, uh, have a lot of botters and that's why you're oh, like yeah. so much.
3: Uh, do you want to talk about branch or OWASA? Let's Just talk about a OWASA first and then we'll move to branch. Okay. Sure. Um, I told you that we have a standing fleet, that we have a list of FCs, standing FCs that are scheduled on hours uh, to take out the green lights. So we essentially have 16, 18 hours per day green lights, but people just so confident to take out the to take out the no matter what. Like when I, no matter when I call the green lights, uh, they do believe it. They believe it's safe and I believe that kind of confidence uh directly right, boost our super so have umbrella springs. So yeah, it's you just have all the chemicals there. And yeah. we do have a very strong defense fleet. Uh if you do roam a loss and in the end you probably just want to avoid leaving to go for the easier players. Like last month don't no, actually two weeks ago Haranox um they drop the Knicks and killed it. Uh, it was during a green light, so I had to SRP the ship palm for the victim, but um, last week we killed one Nix in our region, and we tanked seven Nyxes. Uh one E or one Nix was tanking to half armor, but we saved it during green light. So people actually know that OASA uh, is not like an easy rental region to be bothered with. I think that helps us a little bit too. Mm-hmm.
1: As a record, for the record, Oassa is probably one of my least favorite regions to Roman because you guys do always have that really impressive fleet okay. that you're happy to to smash me with. <laughs>
3: yeah, take that compliment. Thank you. Uh-huh.
0: So what you're saying is you defend it really aggressively, and that's what allows yeah. you guys to be safe to do this. Yeah, Oasa yeah, is it.
2: always super scary. If you take a filament into Oasa, there's like two rapiers already <laughs> burning to you. No, like...
1: I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Owasa with like a battle cruiser gig and had like Titans dropped on me. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. It's like, because whenever we roll a filament, we always guess what region it's going to be. And it's like, probably going to be Owasa again. Please don't yeah. <laughs> be Owasa.
3: If, if, you, if you use filament in like a during a certain amount, certain hours, well, uh, I think after time to sixteen hundred, probably OSA, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, don't be Awasa. Awesome. because yeah. we always we always have a game, everybody guesses what region it's gonna be, and if you're right, everybody pays you a million. It's
0: kind of fun. So the point is that Owasa is not the favorite to go and disrupt Ratters because it's well defended and and that is evidence that you guys are there. And you how how many people do you have in your alliance now? Um, let me check. 15,000. 15,000. Okay. And if we think about Dell, that peak, they were at like 20 to 25, because they didn't get to 30,000 until later.
3: I don't know. Pandemic Horde yeah. at the top of 22. they're uh, still like 30,000. Yeah. They purged a lot of inactives um, right after the war. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, we well, are talking two years ago when they were making eight to twelve trillion. We'll have to look at what their population was. I just want to compare the size, right? How many people you have actually ratting. And one, one other thing before we move to branch, which is a different scenario. Okay. Uh, we just, I want to deal with this. Is there a racial component to the criticism of botting? Because fraternity is Chinese or mostly Chinese players. I don't even know if it's mostly Chinese
3: players, but is there a it's racial component? Ninety percent. Yeah, I is, I would say so naturally, as I explained to you, like, I will do that more later on uh, on branch. In China, if you successfully run an RMT workshop that kind of thing on the online business, you can get an average, like, above average salary monthly. So there are incentives for the Chinese player to do body and RMT. That way, uh, people will be more suspicious like, when they at right. us. Right? It's reasonable, but we try yeah. to you know, straight names. Yeah. Right. Oh, and same, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Same with Russians. They had that same, uh, thing. Mm-hmm. They had the same thing. Yeah. Criticism. Yeah. That They could have, this was lucrative for them to do. It was basically a, a part-time job, full-time job to be able to, to bot. Uh, so they had that working for them yeah. as far as criticism you were going to say.
3: Yeah. I, I was thinking
0: about the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing is we'll deal with this one too, since we have you here, that fraternity is funding this war against Delve. Do you want to address that?
3: Uh I'm not sure if I actually say that, but <laughs> yeah, we do uh we did invest four Keepstars, uh five Keepstars in mm-hmm. total. Uh the two Keepstars, the pandemic horror dropped, one was from test. So test in Delve alone invested two keep stars and one from Yeah. But I think we are funding partially, you can say that.
0: You are funding the war partially because you put up your Keepstars. Uh,
3: that, yeah. That's the major form of investment. Yes.
0: But are you doing like SRP? Are you going beyond the Keepstar donations?
3: Do you do... Uh, we don't do cross-alliance SRP. We don't do that. You know? I, okay. I haven't heard about... We, we do talk about like if there's a major Thailand fight happening. How are we going to SRP our titans the caps? And we probably will temporarily share some on caches, maybe. Right.
0: Because uh, one of the strategies in NullSec warfare is to attack the poorest part of a coalition and break them off because they can't afford to stay in. Indeed, yeah. And so what you do as a defense to that is couple your money together to pay for the poorest guy so that they can stay in the fight? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: But it never happened. Like, it was a great chance in YZ9, but um, the server, or they didn't expect that server would eat the boson damage. It's kind of pity
0: there. a <laughs> pity. Okay. So we'll move to Branch. Uh, tell us about Branch, why that's a
3: different yeah. situation. So we had a pretty much failure uh, four years ago, right? If you remember the pie chart of Shane, that Paternity yes. Treasury was our previous rental program, it was like second or third biggest uh, amount of band players combined since its creation. And we were pretty young at that year. So then we review our rental program, and um, I started picking up the botting corps, which is pretty hard for any players without the knowledge. Uh, It's getting there. So we redo our rental programs. Uh, We duplicated that in branch. And now I'm pretty confident that usual boarding club won't survive more than two weeks in branch. But they keep coming back. Exactly the same reason I told you before. It's just the prerating. But yeah, we just keep queuing them out and report the CCP. I can say we have a pretty good um, sense now on how to identify a boarding club.
0: And you take, when, when players report to you that, hey, you have a botter in your renting, rented
3: space, do you take that seriously? If they can bring up some, some form, any form of evidence, they, they give us a screenshot, give us, better yet, give us a clip, and we definitely look into that,
0: yeah. All right, but th- is that technically because Branch is further away from you, is it harder to patrol that, or is it just as easy?
3: If you have someone, we do, if you have someone dedicated to patrolling around a space, it's not as hard. The hardest part is that we have pretty limited amount of tools as a player. we don't like, we can look directly into, um, the system, even though I request, yes, I check for every rental books, which is not very usual among the renting systems, I request that I will look into your court wallets, if you have some Very suspicious transaction, like you keep sending esc out to virus people, then I have a pretty good, um, I have a pretty good guessing that you are actually armsing out, right? Mm. But that's pretty much the only two methods we have to identify a blue info by ESI and by some video club sevens. All
0: right, got it. All right. Well, listen. Thanks for taking the time out. We took a little time out to address these issues. They come up. We just want to make sure that people get enough information to be satisfied and stop the criticisms.
3: Uh, they may not. Well, go away, they, they will No, they won't go away. But yeah.
0: yeah, they may not go away. But they've been addressed. And so, people that they try to say, "Hey, you know, fraternities this or that," somebody can say, "Well, I saw him on a program, and that's what he said." So that's why we give. That platform. We give that platform to anybody who wants to explain behavior. Um, okay, so let's move on though from the economic report over to this new section, uh, howling interdictors and combat scepter changes.
1: All right. so, so to, as, yeah. as everybody knows, the saber is really widely used compared to the other three interdictors, because uh, uh, for a variety of reasons, but the, uh, 20, the 27th, the heiress, the flycatcher, and the heretic will be receiving a number of updates, which is really exciting. Um, the, so to read over the changes, the Ares is getting a CPU increase of uh, 40 teraflops. So that's 250 teraflops from 210 power grid increase uh, up to 71 megawatts. Uh, max velocity increase, signature radius decrease, mass decrease. And they are getting, uh, the Ares is getting a 5% small hybrid turret rate of fire and 15% reduced mass penalty from armor plates. The Flycatcher is getting a slight CPU increase and it is getting 10% damage to missile kinetic damage instead of the explosion radius and 10% shield increase per level, making it really, really tanky compared to uh, the other dictators shield wise. And the Heretic is getting, the Heretic is getting a similar one 10% armor HP per level instead of its missile velocity and it's also getting a power grid and a CPU increase. And I think this can be really good to get some of the other dictators used. I think my expectation is that the Eris is still going to lag behind, but the Flycatcher and the Heretic are going to have like real, real reasons to use them uh, in the bigger fleets now. I'm currently a proponent of the Heretic for small gangs, um, but I think it'll help the Flycatcher and the Heretic be more used Uh all throughout, in sac at least. I think it's going to take away one of the heretics uh, niches in low sec with the uh, super snipey light missiles though, which is, it's a very, very niche, but that's something that's probably going away.
0: What do you guys think?
2: Uh, yeah, I think this change is going to make a lot of the other addictors more viable in most situations. I still think the Saber is going to be pretty strong. And I still think most Null-Sec groups would probably still prefer to use the saber even over the flycatcher with the new bonuses that it has. But yeah, the, the heretic is uh, going to be really, really strong in armor brawl comps now so you can get about twenty seven thousand effective hit points on it, which is really huge for a uh, for a destroyer hull. Yeah, and you can right. also do like a much stronger like probing uh, fit. So I think like saber is still going to be like the go to, although the the flycatcher is. Uh, gonna be a strong alternative and the heretic was already the like best pro like probe launch addictor and it's gonna be like really strong in ruling armor comps now as well.
0: Could, because staying alive is important for a addictor, isn't it?
2: Yeah, That's I it mean also. generally especially in this uh, like heavy assault cruiser meta, like sabers basically uh, just die as soon as they bubble something. And, <laughs> exactly,
0: uh, like the vanish.
2: Yeah, keeping heretics alive even with twenty seven thousand EHP is still gonna be difficult, but
0: but it's less difficult than it than it would have been before this change.
2: Yeah, they're, they're also going to there's also going to be a a web bubble that's coming in too. The wobble. Yeah, the, the, bubble.
1: the wobble. The web wobble.
0: That's a web
1: bubble. Let's talk
0: about that. <laughs>
1: so that thing is it's not like a traditional bubble where you just launch it. It launches like a probe that like waits a moment and then explodes for providing an AOE that stays on everything that's in that radius. So it's not like not like a traditional bubble, but it's really interesting.
0: Is it kind of dropped, or is it actually projectile like a bomb?
2: Yeah, it's more like a bomb that doesn't move. You drop it in place and it explodes after three seconds. So it's like kind of like a like a depth charge. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I was thinking of mine. Have, Remember mines? Oh, we ahead.
1: have the space submarines, so depth charge actually actually works really well for that <laughs> space submarines.
0: Yeah. I think they used to have mines, like you could actually plant mines in Yeah, space. they used to have
1: mines. I still have st- I have some of them in a, a station still. You can't use them, but they're, yeah. they're fun.
0: But I mean, this mechanic would work for that, wouldn't it? Like, you drop something and it's uh, a radius of damage. But anyway, tell us about this, uh, this bubble of a web.
2: Yeah, it's a, fairly, uh, it's a very, very long effect, but it's uh, pretty, uh, pretty hard to land because it only has a 10-kilometer radius. So you more or less have to be on top of people to land it. And it also uh, explodes pretty quickly. Two explodes after three seconds. So you can't really like, set it up in advance. You kind of just have to be on top of the enemy fleet to use it. And it, it's pretty weak in that it's uh, only a 30% web, but it is an AOE effect. So it is uh, quite strong in that regard. And it does last for 30 seconds. So it is a pretty long effect. Like if you hit, the, hit an enemy fleet with it, they're going to be webbed down for quite a while.
0: Sure, and they can get hit again before they come out of it. I'm sure.
2: Yeah, but uh, it it doesn't stack in the same way that web stack. Uh, it getting hit by, by it, it. Yeah, it just refreshes it. It's the same as like the super ca- super carrier evil weapons or command bursts. So you won't be able to slow a ship down any further,
0: but you will extend how long he's webbed.
2: Yeah. So if okay. you you know have a if drop a charge and you drop a charge again, you can. Key, key, you can refresh what? the web on it, but you will never web the more than 30% with the AoE ability.
0: Why do you think there's a three-second delay?
1: And Maybe to burn yourself out of it if you drop it as you're burning. Yeah,
0: you have
3: This a slight affects you. This- you have a slight
1: yeah, it'll chance. affect you, you if you're in the range, just yeah. like your bubble affects you, right?
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think it'll be, uh, be very powerful in gate camps, though. Uh, drastic said that you won't be able to escape gate campers anymore, but I don't think this would be particularly that strong in gate camps. Because, uh, it take, like I said, it takes three seconds to go off. So, uh, you know, if you jump into a gate camp and you crash gate, like by the time you're webbed by the bubble, like, you know, in most cases, uh, you're probably already webbed and locked and webbed by something like a hyena or a remote sensor boosted Vigilant or Hugin or whatever instead, right? So, I spe-
1: yeah, so since it's only a 10-kilometer radius, I mean, you, you have 10-kilometer web on a normal ship, right? So it, it's not any different from having like an interlocker with a web. Purge
2: yeah, and if camp. you, like, decide to burn away from the gate, instead of crashing the gate, I doubt they would be able to hit you with it. Yeah.
0: Uh, people are asking, what if you're cloaked? Does this affect you?
2: Yeah, while you're holding gate cloak, you can't be hit by it. Same with smart bombs or, and bombs and everything else.
0: Uh, what if you're in a co-ops off-gate?
2: Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you can get hit if you're, if you're using a ship cloak rather than the gate cloak.
1: Do we yeah, know everything if it- else hits you.
0: Well, do we know if this works like a boost or will this decloak you? I
2: don't don't think it will decloak you if you get hit by it.
1: So, like, smart bomb damage doesn't decloak you if you get hit by it?
2: Yeah, same with the other E-War supercarrier weapons. So you can get hit by the ECM burst while cloaked, the supercarrier weapon, and it doesn't actually decloak you, but it can still break your lock, even though you're cloaked.
0: Oh, interesting. So so, but that's the weird thing about being cloaked. Some things will decloak you and some won't if you... Well, every time I run into a bubble, I always get decloaked. Maybe that's just me being unlucky.
1: That's because people leave stuff at the like trash at the edge of the bubble. Because when you fall into it from like a drag bubble, there's usually a can or something there. They they leave there to decloak you.
0: Hmm. Wow, I'm just terrible at cloaking. I I don't. But that's yeah. They, I've I've heard of that, but uh, I don't know if they always do that. Okay, so that's interesting. This web bubble. This exciting to you guys? What do you think? Uh, That's cool.
3: Mm
0: I'm I, a little concerned I that not expect
1: it to be used a lot.
3: But we might not see any afterburner adoption in second anymore. Think of liners, ears Might just completely go.
0: You think Zlots are going to suffer from this?
3: Yeah, basically anything that's relying on afterburner speed to reduce incoming damage, it will suffer. So if you get hit by one bubble, you will get hit multiple. And you probably never will get out until your play dies. basically. Or the dictator's act.
0: So this is an anti-afterburner tool that'll make burner comps bad in no sector.
1: In no sector, yeah. So they'll still be around on the
0: That's a good point. What do you think, Sutonia? Any?
2: I mean, it's an interesting option. I think CCP want to uh, make fights more bloody, so it's a bit harder to run away. But I mean, the, the current meta game of you know. MWD heavier assault cruises might get reinforced a bit more with these bubbles, so we'll see.
0: Right. So that's Howling Interdictors. They're getting their update. But there's a second part to this one.
1: The Combat Scepters are getting a bonus to overheating their MWDs. So that's the Crusader, the Claw, the um, Raptor, and the uh, Tyrannus. What can they do? So right now, um, there was a, an update to them a few months ago. Or No, at the, begin- at the end of last year, I think, the Hauling Interceptors update that gave the Combat Scepters a lot more damage and such, but they're, I guess they're still not being used a lot. Basically, what this means is that these Combat Scepters can get moving really, really, really fast compared to even like the Fleet Scepters. Um, so they're not bubble immune, but they can, they can burn through stuff a lot faster than the, the other ones will be able to.
0: This kind of negates them from these uh web bubbles, doesn't it? Like if you get hit by a web bubble and you can overheat your afterburner Here. to a hundred percent.
1: I mean I mean it's gonna be hard to hit something that's moving at like nine thousand nine thousand meters per second with a ten kilometer radius web bubble, right?
0: But it, it only moves that fast when it's overheated, right? So yeah. it's a temp so it's only like a temporary situation where you're moving.
1: Yeah. Up. But once you like get close enough, you don't have to overheat anymore. So like They'll be really good at like, running out and grabbing stuff before they get away. Yeah.
0: I've heard this will be used uh, for bookmarking on a grid for bigger fleets, something like that.
2: I don't know about that because uh, Frigate MWDs burn out after three cycles of heat damage, so you can only really like, safely heat them for 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds if you don't get the heat, the RNG on the first MWD cycle. Yeah, they burn out fast.
0: Should I be buying, like, a ton of paste or building a ton of uh, Nanite paste?
2: I don't I don't think so. Forget MWDs are really cheap to repair. I,
1: I hope that we see, like, a, a comeback of the Combat Scepter Gangs, because um, after the hauling Interceptors update last year, I started taking out Gangs of Crusaders, and with Overheated Conflag, they did, like, 400 DPS per Crusader. I mean, they die in, like, a second, but like, the amount of damage these things can put out is really, really nuts. And even if they're not bubble immune, they are, they are quick. And I, I have a lot of fun when I bring out a combat scepter game.
0: Yeah. Uh, NCDI used to have... Uh, they weren't interceptors. They were assault frigates, I think. It was a Piranha Comp, which was just a... a
1: assault frigates know. are really good, too. Like, Harveys yeah. and Retribution's are really, yeah. really... They they'll true through anything.
0: Yeah, and that's what they did. They were piranhas. They would shoot a bunch of them would chew through some holes and, you know, be very mobile. I wonder if that will shift to interceptors. Since after you're right, that combat interceptor change, I remember people saying that, like, interceptors were fun again to go out and solo with or something.
1: I just like, you have, like, a gang of like 10, 15 people just at combat interceptors. You can, you can chew through quite a bit with it, and you're not putting out a, a giant. Amount of money into the fleet so you don't have to, it, you, you're gonna whelp the whole fleet eventually, right? But it doesn't really matter that much because Nor- they go down hard,
0: <laughs> yeah. Norris, do you have any uh anything to add to the combat interceptor speed up?
3: Uh, not really, I'm not so aware, familiar with that, but I agree it has a pretty high DPS if you glass cannon feed it,
0: yeah, yeah. So, what you're seeing is uh, the uh. This is the test server that McLeod is on. So he's showing us some of the stuff going on there. All right. So that's Howling Interceptors. Sorry, that's Howling Dictors. I don't want to take away. From
1: Howling Interceptors. was last year.
0: Yeah, it right? was last year. Right. That was uh, January, wasn't it? So almost was a that? year. Yeah. All
1: right. I think it was the yeah.
0: first first quarter. I don't remember.
1: It was either the end of last year or the beginning of this year.
0: All right. the The next big one is called that out of hell and this is changes to the super carriers um do you want to explain those or should i i don't know if you Sometimes. deal much with.
1: i don't deal much with them
2: <laughs> yeah well suetonia do you know these uh, i know what the change is roughly about i, I don't oh. i don't own a, a super though
1: Okay, so basically what's happening, the uh, Wyvern and the Aeon fighter damage bonus is going to be increased to 7.5% with a 10%. Increase in heavy fighter HP, a light fighter speed reduced by 10%. Light fighter signature increased by 10%. So they're nerfing light fighters a bit bit, and giving a buff to the heavy fighters. Um, The supercarrier... SMB capacity is going to be increased from five a meters sh- to 2. 5, uh, five million to 2.5 million. So they're going to be able to hold more ships, uh, twice as many ships as they could before, which is going to go well with this clone bay they have. So basically, you'll be able to save your uh, clones in a supercarrier and respawn or jump to the supercarrier and just spawn back on grid in one of the ships in the maintenance bay. So it'll get people back into fights faster when they die, um, because they can come out of a ship in the supercarrier from the ship maintenance bay.
0: Yeah. Just as a program note, I don't know why they put SMB. Not everybody knows what SMB is. Uh, they put ship maintenance bay there. That would be a little clear. And then they reversed it. They said increased to five from 2.5. And that totally threw me off when I was reading it live for The Daily Show. But yeah. yes, it's essentially doubled.
1: Yeah. So I think that's going to be, uh, I think this that change is kind of geared towards increasing the number of destroyed ships in a fight, right? Because if you can push a button and jump back into the fight in, in another ship, everybody's going to want to get right back in there. And, well, uh,
0: you have to, we, I think we didn't mention this, but you have to take a booster. You have to take uh, some kind of a potion to allow you to do it as well. That's the key to oh, being able to do it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like a filament of some sort or not a filament, but a a booster that you have to take in order to get into that state. There's a couple things here that are interesting, and Naros and Sutonia, you can interrupt me if you want to jump in, but you can only do this in local. So you have to be in the same system with the supercarrier and you have to be in the same fleet. And that's not how supercarriers work these days. They're usually in their own fleet and they don't want anybody else in them.
2: Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll probably just use like a specific support, like supercarry if you plan on using this ability, like a Wyvern yeah. or Aeon, most likely, with like Max Tank that sits on grid. And its whole purpose is to just, you know, have uh, doctrine ships, like, I don't know, Feroxes, Munins, whatever. So when people die, they can instantly respawn.
0: Yeah. So, uh, by the way, that booster, it's a new booster, and it's called the uh, Nano Heuristic Clone Mapper. And so that booster will be necessary for this sort of thing. And I think you're right. They'll take one um, supercarrier and say, okay, this is our respawn point on the field. So put that in a different thing. And then the rest of the supercarriers will still be doing um, fleeting up together and whatever else.
1: I think they're updating them to the size they should be to the model size of supercarriers. That's something I heard. So um, because the supercarriers weren't correctly scaled compared to the other ships, they needed to be bigger. And that's why, like the Aeon, suddenly got bigger a little while ago.
0: It says here doubling in size, and I think we've seen that uh, with the Aeon slip up the other month.
1: Yeah, so they're going to be a lot bigger on field uh, visually wise because they they're supposed to be that big, like in comparison to the other ships.
0: Well, scale matters, right? At least with uh, smart bombs, Uh, the model size actually matters a lot. Yeah. And I think in bumping too, does it matter? Yeah, it's going to
2: going make move ups with supers more painful, right? Because they're going to bump off gates and each other more often. Yeah, be, um,
0: yeah, and when they bounce, it's no joke. Uh, I think in F FZ nine or F nine Z, whatever it was, we saw a Titan bump, and it was going like six thousand kilometers per second. Uh, just complete, it hit the it hit the station and continued to bounce. So bouncing is a real thing. And it's very dangerous for super capital pilots when they're not when they're not in a huge fight where there's too much going on to pay attention to them. But um oh, that reminds me, by the way. Disconnects uh Naros, there's something I want to I'm gonna interrupt this little section for this one thing that you Mm -hmm. did. You saved one of your guys. Like, if you can imagine, I'm talking to the audience here, uh, a soldier is pinned in a foxhole and he's getting bombarded. And here comes his sergeant jumping in the foxhole with him to grab him and save him. And that's essentially what you did to one of your titans during that, uh, t- during that Keepstar battle, the first one that we had,
3: right? Uh, FWST. Yeah, we had a DC disconnected talent. And uh, when he came back, he's it's, it's already half armored and with no link, no active modules. So, yeah. Horde scan it down and landed it up a Sino before the Sino inhibitor is online. Uh, so we dropped a couple brats and flaxes on him, but it was barely. He he got into structure for sure. Like like ninety seven percent structures. Six percent armor. So um, I order a Titan and Naragos to jump in and use his feet to boost the armor up. Yeah, it's quite excited at the end. That's
0: Amazing story. So the phenom probably made the difference, right? That phenom effect, phenom, phenomena effect. I think it is. Yeah,
3: he gave thirty percent armor. So and you can that see made the visually the armor pumps up. Yeah, totally. Was that guy pretty nervous? <laughs> he, he's pretty grateful afterwards. Uh, other than that, he sounds pretty normal. Yeah, we, we um, some FCS might not agree. You know. Um, might not agree jumping another time because the situation was the already a mess over there. Uh, I, I jumped in without telling anyone, but uh, so it's a it. cool. <laughs> yes, uh, I had to, I uh, guess.
0: Yeah. I think one of the great plays of this year actually is, uh, is that, and it was not very well reported because it was in the middle of a huge fight. But uh, sometimes these, these acts of like, we'll call it Eve heroism. Um, you know, they, they only get talked about by a few people that, you know, heard about it or knew the details. Obviously this was pretty secret, but it really deprived, um, not only did it save your guy, but it deprived the Imperium at the time with a talking point with like a, a counter, a counter win because they kind of, uh, that fight didn't go very well for them, let's say, but the, uh, and it would have been even better had they killed the titan and so you 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 saved that one right at the last second which is pretty pretty amazing how you did that
3: yeah test save one mix i think during the same fight but we lost a hell or two house um during the second half we asked the keep star
0: yeah so anyway that story needs to be written because i i love that story that's the, that's the kind of stuff that is rare and really Really interesting. So like, I love the idea of a sergeant jumping in and saving his guy. You know, that's incredible loyalty to your, your members. They're not, because I can imagine in, an NC dot, if I was dying, I don't know who would save me,
3: you know, I'll save
1: you know. with my harbinger. It's fine.
3: <laughs> yeah. No,
0: I don't know what other leader would just in the middle of a fight say, I'm going to grab this guy. Hold on a second.
1: They might. Yeah. But who knows? I can't tell you how many ships I've helped trying to save somebody who did something stupid.
0: yeah, it doesn't always work out either, right? Many of you look really bad, you're
1: doesn't, doesn't always work out
0: yeah. <laughs> If Norros had jumped in a second Titan and uh, lost it would and, and,
1: and obviously disconnecting is not doing something stupid, but like as a as a side point, not all rescue ops go well, but when they do, it feels really good.
3: yeah,
0: true. Vince is a good sergeant, so you're right uh, he would he probably would have jumped in. All right, so I'm sorry I derailed, but I really needed to tell that story. Uh, I, at some point, I want to write it down and memorialize it. Um, back to super carriers, so they're going to grow, they're going to double in size, they're going to get the ability to become respawn points for um, players that take a potion, or that's just our way of saying it, but uh, take some kind of a booster.
1: You, ha- you have to get high before you can jump to the carrier. <laughs> right, get it, hype up. And that that change is going to be on the tenth of November. It looks like. Right.
0: So that's coming. Um, also, there's something here. The fighters are going to be losing some speed, right? Because uh, I've heard that light, light fighters, fighters
1: are losing 10% speed. So that's, that's a big deal.
0: And their signatures increased by 10%. This is a nerf to fighters, isn't it? Light fighters. Light
1: fighters, yes. The nerf to light fighters.
0: So we heard that the reason this nerf is here is because light fighters really chew up everybody like they're incredibly um powerful right now like they're they're hard to catch they're hard to shoot and there's so many of them that carriers essentially can chew through subcaps way too fast and so this is an attempt to balance that out a little bit uh, it also hurts ratting carriers because the npcs now have a better application of damage to your little fighters does that
1: apply to structure fighters too
0: it's Light Fighters. I don't know if it applies to Structure Fighters.
1: the Stand Up Light Fighters.
0: By the way, I just posted in chat, and I'll put it in the show notes, uh, the video of Naro saving his comrade.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's from Initiative.
0: Uh, initiative POV? Okay, cool. Right, because they probably thought they were going to get a kill. Ouch. Um, okay, so Light Fighters getting a little bit of a nerf to make them a little more competitive against subcaps. I think subcaps are going to have a little better time with them uh as they have in the past. So I think that's a big change. And the heavy fighters though will get a 10% increase in hit points. And for the Wavern and the Aeon, they get 7.5% damage increase. Those two together are pretty good for super carriers, especially the Wavern and the Aeon. Um, do you see any do you have any comments on those changes?
2: It seems like a good change, right? Because Nix and Hells are used a lot more than Wivens and Aeons. So giving some love to the two YouTubers that don't get used so much is a a good change.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, one other change, and that is something that's kind of been a stealth change, Ice Belts. So Tonya, tell us about Ice Belts.
2: Oh, yeah. So they now have a chance to just not spawn at all at downtime. What? (laughs) Like...
0: Well, explain that because that has huge consequences.
2: Yeah. So uh, I I think in the last dev blog that they posted, which was about a a week and a half ago now, they said something like reduce the chance for ice belts to spawn or something. And everyone was like, was confused about what that meant because ice belts are always present in systems that have ice belts and they just respawn for hours after they get mined out. Well, what the change actually is is that there's actually no change to the respawn mechanics. If there's ice in the system and you mine it out, it will always respawn for hours later. But now uh, it seems that downtime, there's like some kind of uh, uh, check to see if ice is going to spawn in that system for that day, and if it, and it can just not spawn.
1: So I think the patch note was that there it's it's lower to eighty percent chance. Does that mean eighty percent chance to spawn?
2: It seems lower than 80% because uh, Volta are living in Fade right now, and usually there's two to three of our five Ice Belts that are missing. So I assume that for the most part that it's, like, it's rand. I don't think it's regional-based. I think it's just, it seems like across the whole game, there's about a 50% chance that an Ice Belt just won't spawn at all for that day. Yeah, we
3: feel the same. It's about
2: 50% overall reduction.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: tell us about what that means, Naros, like what 50% reduction of ICE availability.
3: Mm-hmm, exactly. ICE availability in the whole game. But we're still trying to figure out a mechanism of this respawning. Uh, right now, it seems to have followed any pattern at all.
0: Well, again, when CCP, this is all part of the uh, ICE uh, re- resource redistribution update that you just saw on screen. And one of the things that CCP commented about, about this update was that this was the bottom. It wouldn't get any worse than this. So maybe they've stripped out ice, 50% ice now. I did
1: notice a lot of the uh, Triglavian invasions did target ice systems too in high high and low set.
0: To take away, you mean? To
1: Well, yeah. A number of ice systems have been moved to POC then where they still have ice. So that's an interesting change.
0: Uh, I wonder if they're I wonder if they're affected by these changes. Do we know? I mean,
1: they would have the same mechanics as any other ice in the game. Okay. So, yeah.
0: So they would also see reductions. But the point is that because this is the baseline, the worst that it gets, uh, that there may be incentives built in later to help the ice uh, quantity or availability go up. Like some, some kind of new mechanic that allows it to spawn in different places, maybe part of missions or who knows how they redistribute the ice. So, but for right now, what you should know is there's a 50% shortage, and that's why you're seeing massive price spikes on isotopes, which are an ice byproduct. And those are necessary for fueling structures, but also for traveling. That's the big one. We didn't know this was going to happen. It's not really a surprise. We told people, like, get a nice products before this thing hits, uh, because we were told that on the test server, they had disappeared. <laughs> uh and stuff. So, if you were listening to talking in stations daily shows, you would know that that was a good it was a good time to purchase. And you've seen the prices already spike.
1: Do you think it's a play to try to uh, make the cost of power projection moving around capitals be more expensive, with ice isotopes be more expensive?
0: What do you think, Sutonia?
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, most ice products are just uh, cheap, right? Because uh, it, there's like tons of stockpiles, like liquid ozone and heavy water are just you know, stupidly cheap. It's just, it's just like a pain to move it, basically, because you just have so much of it.
0: Yeah, especially ozone. There's a ton of that uh, all over the place, I think. I, um, normally, anything that affects ice will affect travel and power projection, but uh, ice was so available for so long, uh, they might be just absorbing a lot of those stockpiles until they get it to yeah. a point... Where they want to like calibrate it
2: I mean that's a similar thing they did with the uh, the ore to begin with in the earlier scarcity phase, right is they just reduced the amount of some of the ores that were spawning, and then they actually like uh, changed the DNA of the ores later, so so I wonder if CCP will uh, like in the next patch, when they do this, if they're going to be like changing you know what ice gives, what products, et cetera
0: yeah so we'll, we'll see about that. Okay, oh, by the way, the supercarrier module is called the Tactical Capsuleer Recloner. It's on CC now, and we've seen some pictures of it. I'll see if I can put a picture of it. Uh, there's stats associated with it too, but we're not sure if those will be final stats. I'll just put that in there. You guys can look at that. Okay, let's get to some player news. That's the, all the stuff that's coming from CCP for October and November. Now remember, this is about the time that eVegas happens, right about now. So a lot of the stuff that you're seeing um, would have been announced at an EVE Vegas, probably. Yeah. So let's go to, um, and we can let Noros go if he wants to, but uh, well, let's first hit Twitch versus EVE. Uh, Ford, do you want to talk about that?
1: So just a quick note that this uh, Saturday Halloween is going to be the Twitch versus EVE event. You're going to see a lot of streamers uh, uh, streaming all day on Halloween. Uh, under uh, all the Streamers are going to be fleeting up together. Streamers, CCP, ISDs are going to be roaming around in multiple different fleets, led by upwards of seven different FCs this year, which is the most that Twitch CZ has ever had. I'll be I'll be running one of the fleets myself, um, so you'll you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fighting with all these known names on Twitch this Saturday, and I encourage people to check it out. So Tony are you going to be there?
2: Uh yeah, I, I'm working the morning, but I'll see, I'll probably make some of the later ones.
1: It's always mm. a always a good time and it might be a chance to get some CCP corpses. There's
0: also uh, the Halloween event, right? Is there a
1: Yeah, it, um I think the uh what is it, the Crimson Harvest coming if it's anything like the last year. Uh there was an increase in drop rate for what was it? It was like a week or something. It was 100% drop rate last year and people were doing all the weird stuff by whelping like tournament ships inside of haulers and such because they would <sighs> drop 100% of the time. I think they're going to nerf that a little bit. I, I heard a lower drop rate than 100%. so people Yeah, it's on
2: Hobo Leaks. It's a 90% drop rate. There's also a, a Blood Raider a mobile tractor unit that specifically only collects corpses. So there's <laughs> a corpse funny. MTU coming, which is really cool. A
1: corpse <laughs> MTU, yeah.
0: Uh, that's funny. People have been wanting holds specifically for corpse uh, for a long time on ships.
1: Uh, the Blood Raider ships have corpse holds, right? Oh, they do,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. the
1: Blood Raider ones. But, um, funny. but yeah, Halloween's going to be uh, an interesting day for, for EVE.
0: What's the okay? So it's now ninety percent. It's not a hundred percent drop. But explain why people would stick a tournament ship inside of a.
1: All right, so they put a tournament ship inside of a hauler. They kill the hauler. They get the, the value on their kill board for killing the tournament ship. They just pick up the, the tournament ship that hundred percent drops, right? And uh, it's basically just like the the saddest of sad kill board padding, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like people who take Ezekiel way too seriously. Or maybe they're just breaking it for fun, right? Pro- a lot of people probably, probably just breaking fun. it for fun, yeah.
0: If they have a tournament ship, they're probably just doing it for fun,
1: right? Like, I mean, a lot of weird people have tournament ships. I mean, I have a silver magnate, so and You're I'm not weird. weird.
0: <laughs> no,
3: I'm
1: definitely no, weird. No, all right.
0: You you've earned it. You're a PVP, or you earned it.
1: I um, earned it by losing at the third of it.
0: Okay. Uh, last thing. Let's see. Oh. Um, yeah, we're gonna lose Naros because he's uh, on a different time zone. Later.
1: Have a Thanks, good night. Naros. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Let me uh,
0: talk about the war real quick. We'll just get through that, and then we'll talk about a different war. That's more interesting. Unless you have anything else on the Crimson Harvest.
1: All I have. Sometimes okay. there's. I would watch the the in-game news. Sometimes Blood Raiders do some evil stuff around the Crimson Harvest time.
0: Oh, so watch out. See if see if something.
1: Happens. Yeah, because. Um, I mean, what was it, a couple of years ago during the Crimson Harvest is when they, they started with all the, the bombing of planets that led to a lot of, lot of interesting events uh, in the news, like the Kaha and the Becca the Becca events, which were some of the most interesting uh, RFP-related events that, that have gone on in the last couple of years. But I would watch the in-game news if you're the type who, who's interested in that. Blutters do some weird Blutter stuff a lot
0: around this time <laughs> yeah they're they get daffy drinking so much blood Ugh. all right uh let's talk about uh speaking of blood let's talk about what's going on in delve and some of the updates on the war there um as you know like last week the um the uh, pappy forces were able to anchor a keep star And uh, through this bubble wrap, they call it, it was a strategy that worked and they were able to actually anchor it and then online it. And in doing so, they gave themselves, uh, um, basically Delve was breached and they gave themselves an operating base inside of the region itself. So now Imperium has to defend the region with the enemy inside the region. Now it is NPC Delve. I don't know if that makes a huge difference, except, um, I don't know, that it's not owned by Imperium. But since then, we've seen uh, a few days of rest and then a massive attempt to start turning over iHubs, infrastructure hubs. The infrastructure hubs are essentially permission to build infrastructure in a system. So you can build roads in the form of bridges. You can, fi- you can uh, shut doors uh, in the form of uh, sino jammers. And these are very important to strategic operations. So you want to control the infrastructure, uh, in a system. So those hubs are what control it and they control the defensive nature of the system as well. Uh, so there's a lot of advantages and flipping those is what warfare is these days for the most part. It's not really assailing structures so much. It's not really assailing territorial claim units, uh, at all, basically. So, uh, uh, Pappy went to work on mostly period basis. I think they flipped 17 or 27 iHubs there, which is a lot, the majority of the system. But in Delve itself, which is where the war really has intensified, they flipped the constellation called w 4 And uh, I think they successfully flipped the entire constellation now. They initially did six out of nine systems. Now they've probably done all of them. And they've extended what they're attacking out into Delve proper, as you can see. So they're starting to move in. I think the next week or two will be uh, massive assaults on infrastructure hubs. Again, once that iHub goes down, Imperium bridges go offline. The uh, structures that are associated with infrastructure go into low power, I believe, and are easy to destroy. They're certainly not usable after that point. Um, But that doesn't mean that Pappy can actually build their own jammers or their own bridges. They have to wait until the ADMs uh, mature up to uh, level three, and that takes 30 days. So after 30 days, they'll be able to put in their own jammers, and this is how that works. If Pappy were to take over a system and win the iHub, and there's an Imperium Keepstar in it, they would essentially put up their, Pappy would put up their own iHub and protect it because if it gets destroyed, then they have to start the clock over again for 30 days. After 30 days, they are able to put down a Sinojammer for that one system. And at that point, you have an ability to open and close the gate when you want in a five minute interval. Sorry, it used to be five minutes. I think it's, it used to be 30 minutes and now I think it's five minutes. So essentially you can use your own super capital ships but you can block the enemy supercapital ships and that kind of advantage allows you to take down structures like a keepstar or anything else without a lot of risk so that's why these things are really important in the future okay 35 days thank you uh, and a correction low power is only based on fueling a citadel not based on i have ownership Really? Okay. So I, I uh, somebody told me that recently, and I didn't know that, but I just took it for granted that was true. I thought Ensemble X gates or something turned to low power mode or something like that. But it doesn't matter. The point is they can't be used and they really can't be salvaged. There's no point in salvaging them. All right. So that's what's going on in Delve. So again, Keeve Star got anchored. We wondered what advantages that was going to do. And there's two advantages. You're seeing one of them. One is proximity to iHubs and the flipping of those, because now you can escalate uh, within jump range of the areas that you were doing work in. So if you're fighting in systems that are within the jump range of YZ9, which is where they're at, where that Keepstar went up, they can protect that effort with super capital uh, escalation dominance. Uh, In other words, they've got their cannons on the hill. And if, and if anything's going wrong, they can escalate to a point where they can, uh, bring everything to bear. Uh, and, and that allows for a lot more aggressive, uh, attacking of, of areas. Okay. But that is what's going on in delve and Chris. There are some other things, right? Like I know that, a, a horde fleet got wiped out by, um, smart bombing praxis from ELO Knight. That was pretty cool. To watch and the I think the initiative had some victories in there uh, I don't know what it is I think the initiative was, yeah.
1: took out a Fortizar and it right
0: that's right. it yeah. yeah which is an old staging I mean at the beginning of the war that would have been a huge piece of news, but it's uh, an old test Fortizar that's been there since the beginning of the war over a hundred days ago, uh, but you know it's a victory there's some stuff uh, going on there. okay, but let's talk about a uh, different war Arcia.
1: o all right, so i've started looking into some uh like war like wars and like notable fights that have happened outside of the null blocks, and um, there's actually a pretty interesting little conflict going on in high sec right now uh, so everybody knows usher Khan, the Minmatar faction warfare group uh, with the ticker unity attacked the Amar group uh, Kimi Harar, they, they attacked their market Fortizar in Tanu in the Amatar Mandate. They were uh, put up to the task by a Blood Raider loyalist who Kimi Harar, uh, ticker, their ticker is Lumen. So uh, uh, they were put up to the task by a Blood Raider loyalist who Lumen had been hitting the structure of uh, in Tenu. But now the Minmatar group uh, came after the Amar group's Fortizar. And the Amar group who had previously had held on hired against them by the Blood Raider to no avail, has uh, gotten this bigger Minmatar group to attack them. And there was uh, about a hundred person fight in the system uh, the other day because Lumen had some allies in the war. They're close allies of uh, the Ishak Rata Enforcement Directive, which are a Kaldari group that normally live in syndicate. And the Phoenix Naval Systems, which are a high and low SEC, mercenary group that live in Galente space. Phoenix Naval Systems decided to help Lumen because of all the work Lumen did during the Triglavian Wars against the Triglavians around the four empires. But it, com- uh, it culminated in a fight for the armor timer of the to, uh yesterday. I, I did a recording of it that I might release at some point. But Ashur um, Khan actually started out the fight really, really well because uh, they had uh, cruise foons and they were successfully kiting the, the Lumen brawling fleet. Um, but once the uh, allies of Lumen started uh, piling in, Lumen got a good ping uh, onto the, the kiting foons after they got distracted by all of the allies and the Usher Khan anchor went down. And it was a, just a really fun fight to watch because you don't see a lot of like 100-person fights in high sec to this uh, degree. Um, honestly, I, I want to personally hear about uh, any... I, I would encourage people to send me any uh, information on interesting high, low and NPC null conflicts that are outside of the blocks that, uh, are happening because I want to try to highlight some of these smaller fights because I think they have like a really interesting narrative and some interesting fights that we don't always get to see, uh, because the, the big 6,000 people fights always shine so brightly.
0: I love that title. To me, that sounds like a perfect show title outside the blocks.
1: But one of the the really notable parts about the fight is that Phoenix Naval Systems deployed a fleet of Stormbringers, the Edencom ship, and they were actually really, really effective against the Typhoons because they hit out from range. Those things are really, really tanky and they can, they, they did a lot of damage. Like I am actually convinced by the Storm Baby and I started training into it.
0: The Storm Baby or the Stormbringer?
1: Stormbringer, but I'm calling it the Storm Baby. <laughs>
0: That's the uh, cruiser-size Eden Comship. Yeah,
1: I think the cruiser one is actually the best one. I think the frigate and the battleship could definitely use some more help, and they could all use a bit of utility, but I think the cruiser size is actually really good.
0: I'm convinced because that's my favorite name in EVE Online. Stormbringer? Uh, I I don't know if anybody's old-school D&D player, but remember Elric and Stormbringer? Like His sword was called Stormbringer. It was this black vorpal blade or something.
1: I'm just yeah, interested in watching um if this war escalates or if uh the numbers the the Usher Khan has went against uh push them out because honestly it was it was really it took a lot of guts to actually attack that Fort armor timer when they were outnumbered like that. And they did really good at the start, uh, with fighting fighting the Lumen Brawling fleet. But um uh when the numbers started pouring in, Lumen was able to get a good ping, like I said. So Esher Khan has a lot to be proud of that they were they were willing to try to take that fight. And I think that uh the other side has a, a lot to be proud of because they did have such a show of force that you're gonna have to take them. You're gonna need some some muscle to get into there and attack that forth there. So it was really fun to watch. I was I in high sec you can watch a fight with just like a crucifier that locks up to four hundred because if they shoot you you get they get concorded, right? <laughs> So, it was really easy to observe the fight. Uh,
0: that's always my favorite to uh, bring in. And I was hoping CCP would go in this uh, direction, but bring in NPCs uh, as an X-factor when you're fighting other people. Well,
1: that happened to Ushur Khan in the war zone with the Serum NPCs that attack their fortisar, And honestly, I think it was actually... It was, it's cool from an RP perspective, but it was a giant disadvantage because you have these giant NPC forces. That reinforce the Fortizar, then all of a sudden, like everything everybody in the war zone shows up to the whole timer. it's basically dooming one side, like Usher Khan lost structures because of the NPCs that attacked them earlier. This Fortizar that they attacked yesterday actually has been hit by blood or dreadnoughts in high sec because of uh, RP events, so NPCs are something that you sometimes see <laughs> when RP storylines are going going on so what, what you just said has, has exactly happened before. And right. I think, I think it's not always fair to the players because who, who could have seen like an, a dev calling it a big NPC force. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm convinced I'm going to be, I'm going to be hanging around you Arcea pretty soon. Uh, because the gameplay that you guys are doing there is, uh,
1: I do know that when the the Serum NPCs hit all the Usher Khan structures in the war zone, I felt really bad for them because, it, like, it kind of wasn't fair, even if it was really cool from an Arkhi's perspective.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for uh, telling us about that war. Uh, and we will keep tabs. Can be updated
1: it, if it continues on, if they escalate.
0: Yeah, and if other people, if you guys have smaller engagements or smaller wars or smaller grudge matches that are going on, let Talking and Stations know. We'd like to highlight them and uh, show some footage and really cover more than just the big wars. That would be great.
1: Definitely. Send me information on wars that are happening in Hilo and NullSec between smaller entities. I would like to shine some lights on them.
0: Awesome. I like that. Outside the blocks. All right. Our next thing is that we have a special presentation here from a friend of ours, Silva, who's going to show us what the super capitals look like. This is a little added to the show here, what super capital effects look like on CC since he's on there now. We'll get that up in just a second. But we want to make this late announcement here. The fun fact that that module on the super capital ships, the recloner, we'll call it, can actually be used while tethered, which at first, it sounds broken, right? Because uh, that means that you have a mobile recloning uh, stage that is invulnerable. Uh, if you tether up and you have a super capital, it's safe, right? And uh, then you have a recloning spot. So it's really kind of a, a moving spawn point. And if you have a structure, it becomes invulnerable. That's kind of crazy. Let's have a look at what it, what it looks like. now. Yeah. Are you able to hear a silver?
3: Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to warp and pod myself here really quickly. So you have to take the uh, booster ahead of it, and you have to be in fleet and local. And the booster lasts about uh, six hours.
0: You might need to put on headphones. But Go ahead.
3: Oh, sorry. I've got my uh, speakers on.
0: So six hours, that's, uh, well, these days that might not make it through the entire fight, but, well, six hours game time. So definitely you'll make it through a fight.
3: Yeah, and um, see, the module's active, like, you just have the module active on the supercarrier. There's no, it's only, like, maybe, like, two-second delay before allowing you to not dock. Um, However, you are able to use it while tethered. And um, it uses 20 fuel blocks every time a ship clones. So when someone gets potted, um, then that's when those 20 fuel blocks are consumed. So oh, my I capsule's breached right. here, and now I arrive back in a pod right next to the supercarrier. So you're
0: picking this out of the bay of the uh, supercarrier ship?
3: And oh, there's there the rats picking new no effect. And voila, I've got a new saber now. Um, I mean, this does open up some complications with, uh, you know, leaving your hangar open, and you're going to instill a lot of trust. So if you have a kind of spy or AWOX or all in organizations, you might try and remove some of these more expensive ships from supercarriers. Um, I'm not quite sure the mechanics of how this is all going to play out, but it is it does open up some uh, fun tricks. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: I think it was a little blurry when we saw it, but it essentially looks like the video. You reconstruct the frame of the ship, and then it, uh, with a yellow burst of light, gets reconstructed, reconstituted.
1: Yeah. It, so that's just whenever you take a ship out of a space, so it would be the same, like an orca.
0: Oh, sorry. Really, I didn't know that. Uh, is, is
1: that? And I'm asking. Is oh, that, is that the case?
3: No, I don't know. Typically, you just arrive in the ship when you. Uh,
1: yeah, no, normally, in. but like it's a new thing. I was wondering, or is that just so? It's just for super carriers when you take. Yeah, that I
3: think it's only when you use the instance of uh, when you're pulling it out of the ship, like through the cloning section. I'll put the, I'll put the ship back in there and see what happened. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it happened again. So maybe it's.
1: Maybe yeah, is I, just I would wonder super carrier. if you grab it from like a regular capital or like an orca or something. Does that happen?
3: Uh, I'll turn off the Columbia effect. Maybe it'll be the same. Maybe it'll be still the same.
0: Well, no, the point is, will they give that effect to grabbing a ship out of a maintenance bay for everybody? Or will, oh, it, just be, or will it just be special to this occasion where you've taken the booster?
1: The fact only happens with the supercarrier and the drugs as on.
0: Okay so it's special yeah and it's random it looks like it uh there we got a better better view of it there can you do it one more time just uh it's like the graphics are coming in better
3: yeah for sure let me
0: so you can use this mothership sorry this uh super carrier uh, while it's tethered you can do this yep i think that that's a pretty big clue on uh on what's going to happen with these things it's almost like these have become oh yeah that looks great look at that i got uh yellow dust going everywhere very nice well i thought you would have to risk the mothership you know keep keep it untethered to be able to use this but uh nope
3: keep in mind this is cc the changes aren't final and i'm sure they'll be looking for feedback in the coming weeks before the update actually comes out I just hope like there'll be, I don't know how it's going to affect in tie-dye because typically if you spawn in a tie-dye system Fortizar and then you get a ship and then you undock, that takes up a lot of time. So I don't know if this process is going to be quicker.
0: Okay, let's see that spawn just one last time. That was pretty cool. And is it a different menu? It is...
1: Can you get in the nester? I want to see the bigger ship get reconstituted. Oh, wow, look at that. That looks really well, really good with the battleship.
3: Still a uh, few graphic glitches, probably. The saber looks like, just slick.
0: So, you, so you, you can repetitively come back until the supercarrier runs out of ships, right?
3: Yeah, and there's no delay in um, when you get potted. Uh, I mean, I was sitting on the undock here for a few minutes, but uh, there doesn't seem to be a delay at the, at the present time.
1: So like, could somebody just keep constantly running out with like the STs and supplying supercarriers with ships? Or no, because they'd be unpackaged. They'd be packaged. But
0: can't they reach into the uh, the structure anyway? Aren't they able to?
1: Well, oh, you
3: could, could have the ships in the you could have the ships in the structure uh, very easily. Um, I'm just I just wonder around the mechanics of is it supposed to cut down on uh, you know typically you get plotted you go back to your capital system away from in at least a null setting you're you're going away from where the fight actually is so you're getting removed from the grid you're going out of the tie-dyed node into your capital system ship it reshipping getting bridged back in or jumping back in and that takes up time at least this way maybe you're kind of cutting down on the process or um you're not having to deal with the undocking and docking mechanics within tie-dye but i I don't know how much quicker it's going
0: to be in this war that we're watching now, the initiative decided to move their death clone back up to NPC Fountain, away from the front, which was NPC or which was delve, and that seemed to be a big deal. But this totally negates that, right? Because you can bring your respawn point with you now while you're in combat and keep it in the field as long as you need it, as long as you have a super carrier. So the yeah. idea of being potted and sent home. Just isn't part of a strategy anymore with this sort of a thing. But you know, you have to be.
3: And keep in mind, you're only really going to roughly fit like uh, maybe ten battleships in this, nine battleships, because battleships go up to like about five twelve and five twelve km three.
0: But the question is, could this thing replenish its ship supply? Is there a way for it to do that? You'd without- have to
1: like drag them with like a bowhead or a carrier or something to the and put the ships from the could- bowhead or a carrier. I guess if you're like tethered like this, you could have a bowhead undock with a bunch of ships and bring it to the carrier. The well,
0: I'm carrier. wondering if that, if that has already had a bunch of ships in it, could you just keep supplying? And
1: uh, I think absolutely right. You just keep undocking a carrier, burns over, puts ships in the supercarrier.
0: Yeah. Or you could trade, uh, I don't know. There's anyway, this is interesting. Definitely a lot of strategy to think through. I'm probably not the person to be doing that, but there's a lot of theory crafting that you could do with uh, how these things could do. Now that we know they can be tethered and uh, how it looks with the filament lasting six hours, that's plenty of time to cover you for the the remainder of the fight. That's not tie-dye time, that's six hours game time. So if it is tie-dye, that's 60 hours basically. In other words, you're not gonna run out. You take it once, you're not gonna run out.
3: I I may have done my math wrong here. It looks like it's closer to, I was Mm just assuming a, a converter, at least it's at least 11 hours maybe.
0: Of actual in-game time, so if tie-dye hits, I wonder if it gets stretched, right? So, yeah.
1: I can I can promise if I ever have to drag ships from a car- with a carrier to a supercarrier every time I get there, I'm going to say, "Carrier has arrived."
3: I think the, the more practical application of this is like if you're actually deploying these off of a of a structure, or you're you know you're attacking a structure or Any instance where you're not like within reasonable range of a structure, um, you're able to, like, you know, you need additional tackle, and the, you know, Dictors usually die pretty damn quickly. You're able to reship those guys right on the field as opposed to having to bring them from the outside or having to bring them from a structure inside the system.
1: Yeah, you can carry a lot of Dictors in five million M3, right?
0: All right, McLeod's going to switch to uh, a different view here about the, uh, with the Orca. And this might be a surprise. Let's have a look here. We'll give him a few uh, seconds to adjust. Because he says the effect is the same with the Orca. By the way, Sutonia, do you have any further comments?
2: Uh, no, you guys are uh, covering it pretty well. It's pretty cool that they updated the uh, effect for all ships, so all SMA effects.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's just uh, any kind of SMB. So Orca, Dread Carrier, be the same.
3: Oh, 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 look at that. That's disappointing.
0: Well, not for people that don't. I think it's not. So it's not special to super carriers. This is what it looks like now when you take a ship out in space. And that actually.
1: Because yeah, it seemed in, like you just cloned back into a pod and that taking the ship out has nothing to do with the clone bay.
0: Right. That's the actual trick. So that effect is introduced for removing a ship from clone bay thank you for checking that out for us no problem all right well uh satonia thank you so much for coming on is there anything else that you wanted to say
2: uh well i just like to say that uh event is uh they have a tournament in a few weeks three or four weeks i think it's uh november the 14th so uh keep an eye on that check that out where can well.
1: people find info on that
2: if they go to uh, Eve NT TV on Twitch or on Twitter, you can find out a lot more information. You could also uh, put a link in the chat, maybe, if uh, that all lets yeah, me. Yeah,
1: go for it.
0: All right. Uh, well, he gets that in there. Thanks, you, Sotonia. So there it is open.eve NT.uk slash alliances. All right. Well, with that, uh, I want to thank uh, Sutonia and Naros who had a leap earlier. Uh, Silva for showing us a demonstration of the supercarrier, and McLeod for engineering everything and also showing us the Orca there at the end. Thank you guys. And Arcia, thanks for coming and telling us about the Highsec War and all this other stuff. And thank you guys for showing up today for Talking in Stations. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, Talking in Stations daily. And you can always find our stuff on YouTube. We're thinking, uh, since the, this is going out to our podcast listeners, that we've heard many requests that people want more talking in stations on the podcast. So we're thinking of putting on the daily shows uh, from now on. And we're working on that. We're also doing some work on our website so that they can be used uh, in other ways too. So all that, uh, stay tuned. We'll let you know how we update that. For now, I want to say again thanks for everybody for joining us, and we will see you next time on Talking in Stations.